Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Why I Love Disney. Uh, my guest today is Dave's Disney View. Hello, Dave. Hey, how are you doing, Craig? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I am doing terrific. Yeah, it's another another beautiful day in Florida, I got to tell you. <laughs> it's a lot more beautiful than where I'm at. I'm up here in Michigan and oh. we're covered in snow and ice. So yeah, A little colder there. Here it's yeah. beautiful. So we can enjoy the Disney parks every day of the year. Man, I, that makes me jealous sometimes. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to make your listeners a little jealous too. Come on down to Disney. Have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of them out there listening to this right now thinking, man, when is my next trip? And can I fit another one in before then? <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer right there. <laughs> so what I like to do on why I love Disney is I like to ask my guests the very simple question. Uh, why do you love Disney? And that is a great question. And I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I love about it or really like about it is that um, the way they do storytelling. And uh, I think the way that uh, Disney and the Walt Disney Company, in particular Walt Disney himself and his his original designers, came up with this idea for storytelling and telling, coming up with something that's complete and really immerses you in some sort of a storyline. So you really feel like you're part of something. And for me, that's the that's the coolest part. When you stop and you take a look at it, everything is about storytelling. From right from the moment you walk on walk down Main Street to any attraction that you go into, it's still that way today. So for me, that's why I like Disney. That's awesome. That's it's definitely a, a huge factor. Um, I know that's definitely something that's stood out to me when I've gone to the parks over the years. Um, so I guess based on that, um, I'm pretty sure, but I'll ask that question. Uh, did you grow up going to the parks as a child? Yes, I did. I was, um, I was actually about um, almost six years old when the park opened. And I went probably about six months after it opened. And I've been going <clears throat> pretty much once a year, maybe twice a year ever since. Um, I did work at the parks for a while, lived in Orlando for a while, so I really got that taste of it um, and got to see it from another side, another point of view. So really got to understand the storytelling and how the cast members become part of the storytelling and um, made it more compelling in a way. Some people can't take it, but I, that for me, that was one of the really cool things, was able to, uh, to do that. So yeah, I've been going forever, basically. Oh, interesting. Um, so I guess... Uh... Something I've always kind of wondered is, um, and I feel like it's always a common topic of conversation, is if you, if you went uh, when you were six, you said? Yep. Um, do you remember that first trip? I, I have a vague recollection of it. Um, sort of that that wonder, that mystery of it all. You walk in and it's just, you know, it's so so visually stunning and there's so many things happening. It just, I remember that. Um, and, I, you know, I've seen some pictures of myself um, at that age being there. And I have, you know, vague recollections of being, you know, holding my dad's hand as we ran down the uh, the ramp behind the behind the, uh, the Cinderella's castle. So, you know, those kinds of things stick with me. Um, so it kind of kind of sticks with me. But then the problem is it compounds because I've been so many other times that I can't remember specifics about any particular trip from six until about maybe 13. They all kind of run together to a large degree. OK, yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I feel like um, even I start to have that problem and I've only been going for less than 10 years so uh, sometimes i kind it's of start amazing. questioning you know was that six years ago or was that five years ago i don't know <laughs> and i'm sure age isn't helping that either no that's the other problem <laughs> so um so with that storytelling when like when do you remember first really seeing that stand out to you 
So one of the early things I remember is, and this was one of, <clears throat> became one of my favorite attractions very early on, was the Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, in Disney World, it didn't open until a few years after the park opened. And, you know, the story goes that people asked, hey, where's the Pirates of the Caribbean? That's at Disneyland. Why isn't it here? Um, and Disney had no intention of opening the Pirates of the Caribbean in, in the Florida resort because it's so close to the Caribbean. Why would you do that? But because people asked for it, they decided to open it. So I remember going to it shortly after it opened. I think it opened in 75 or 6. I don't remember exactly. But um, when they opened it, I remember going in and just being awed by this idea of you're walking inside a fort and you're you're living this story of pirates and it's kind of neat and it's compelling and there's a song going on and there's all kinds of things happening and it's just it's kind of exciting in a way and that the the cool part is they're really telling you a story it's a story about pirates now there's a cool backstory that goes along with this too that when um disney first conceived the idea of the pirates of the caribbean they had this idea hey we're going to go um, research pirates and we're going to tell pirate stories and what they found out was that most of them were mythical. Um, there weren't many pirate stories that were real. And so the attraction kind of started to fall apart a little bit from what Walt wanted to do. Uh, he had this idea of a walk-through museum, and they would tell, tell pirate stories. And they didn't really come together. So one of the designers came up with a better idea. Hey, how about if we do a float-through, and we have a boat ride that goes through, and we tell sort of the stories that you hear in the myths rather than true stories about pirates. And it became this, this story that really has a cohesive sort of line to it. It kind of falls together, but it really is not about a particular pirate or a particular pirate story. It's just things that you remember from your own, you know, growing up, the, thing, the stories you heard about pirates, and you kind of wove them together into a story. And I think that was totally cool, and that's what really excited me about it. As I was watching this, I'm like, wow, this is everything that I thought of as, as, uh, with pirates, but makes more sense in a way because it's, it's all uh, strewn together in a nice way. Yeah, I think that was... Um... I think they said that in the Imagineering story. I know I've definitely heard this recently, but uh, the quote from Walt was something about how it's like moving through a dinner party or moving through a cocktail party where you're kind of catching pieces of conversation as you go. So it's not it's not as important to uh, take the uh, guest through a single string or, or you know like a, a singular plot but more along the lines of giving them this wide open like they're observing all of these different things that are happening as they pass through on their journey and i think that's yes. really i think that's yes. a really interesting way to experience a ride it is and it's and it's a method of storytelling that no as far as i know one no one ever did before uh you know you're, you're doing this thing where you're just immersed in a story and the story, you know, there's, it's just, it's contextual and it's things you kind of recognize and, you know, everything you remember about the Pirates of the Caribbean that, you know, the, the, uh, the donkey bring and the, you know, the, the, the guy in the, in the, uh, in the big well there and the, you know, the, the bride auction that has now changed and the, um, you know, the, the whole thing about trying to, trying to loot and the, the, um, the pirate ship attacking the fort, all those things, you know, they're just so memorable as piratey things even though they, you know, they may or may not have happened. It doesn't matter. You're, you're seeing vignettes of them as you go through and it's really cool. Right. It's more like the, like the ideal of the pirate. It's, it's what we see from all these other pieces. Even, even if we think to other Disney things like Peter Pan, you know, we have this idea of Captain Hook and, and Smee right. and, and the pirates there. And, and you kind of get to see them in more, in a less cartoony way, but in a more, realistic even if it truly isn't based in historical fact completely you know yeah. they they show you that and, and give you that feeling 
and that's and that's what makes it so cool. And that's that was the one. So that's why that captured me really. Um, you know, as a youth, it was like, wow, this is really cool. They're telling the story about pirates, and it's just really fun. Uh, you know, because it's it's not in your face. It doesn't seem hyper violent. It doesn't seem like they're really bad people. They're just pirates, and it's it's so well thought out that way that it makes it really compelling. Yeah. So um, I know you mentioned that it opened at Disneyland in 1967. It actually started there, and they hadn't right. intended to bring it to Florida. Have you ever uh, been out to Anaheim and seen the original? So uh, I was there once. Um, I was probably about two years old, and my parents tell me that I went on the Pirates of the Caribbean. Or I must have been a little older than two, but uh, my parents my parents tell me that I went on the Pirates of the Caribbean, but I actually don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't don't have a recollection of it. I've watched the videos of it since, so I you know I, I know what it's like, and I know it's very different. You know, it's the same, but it's very different. Right. And um, the amazing thing is, I act, happened to go to uh, Disneyland Paris years ago, and I, one of my favorite things there, well, there were two, but one of them was the Pirates of the Caribbean because it told a completely different story in a different way, and it was more interactive and more immersive, and it was even more interesting. Um, fascinated by that, just the way they were able to take the same storyline and kind of complete a story, um, do more with it. Um, and then I've seen the one from, I believe it's the, uh, the Shanghai resort. I've seen the video of that. And that is just phenomenal because they've done even more with it and they've done more interactive stuff and they've got more video and they've got more things that happen. You're actually sinking in a ship at one point. And it's just like, what the heck? Just incredible. <laughs> Cause again, yeah. storytelling, right? They're taking the same story basically. And they're, they're building something else around it. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I, I've, also watch those Shanghai videos and, and someday that's definitely on the bucket list is the, <laughs> that effect where you go under the water. And that one specifically is, it's one of those things that just seeing it on a video, I know um, a lot of things in the Disney parks and a lot of that storytelling and that 4d or that experiential storytelling is stuff that you don't get in a YouTube video and even then, when I see that one in Shanghai, it's like, if that's coming through the video, then what is it like in person? Exactly. I've had that same thought when I when I look at it. I'm like, what the heck, man? That is so cool. <laughs> but again, you know, it's that it's that way of telling a story. Who would think to do that? Who would think to put you underwater, underwater to finish a storyline, you know, to complete complete the, the storytelling? And it's just amazing to me that they thought that through and were able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that um, that's why, for me at least, Pirates always stands out as one of the the big headliners. You know, it's it's always one of the rides you kind of at least try to get on or try to get a fast pass for. And it's right up there neck and neck. And it's it's interesting how it shares a lot of connection to the Haunted Mansion in that way. Yes, exactly. Where they they came about contemporaneously. Um, of course, the Haunted Mansion was always intended to come to Florida, but, um, you know, this idea of, again, showing you these genre tableaus of ghosts and spooky things and, and um, not really needing to tell a complete story, despite the fact that, obviously, there's tons of books and <laughs> my bookshelves are full of books <laughs> written about the Haunted Mansion right, and right. about about all the different storylines that are happening in it or all of the things that, that represent things in it. And, um, you know, but it's also another one of those rides where you move through these scenes and maybe the first time you go through, you're just seeing spooky things. Like you're just seeing pirate things and pirates. And then as you go, the ride kind of tempts you in 
and, and, and gives you an opportunity to construct that narrative without just telling it to you as, as we see in other rides, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because nope. there is also that audience that wants to get on Peter Pan's flight and be told the story of Peter Pan. But, you know, getting that opportunity to kind of take in what you're seeing and, and construct it intellectually, you know, on your own instead of just being told the story. Exactly. You know, and that was that's one of the coolest things when they talked about they made they made the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And they talked about moving the movie into the into the storyline of the of the ride. And I thought, man, that's going to be stupid. There's no way they can pull this off. And they pulled it off so seamlessly. And they did such a good job of kind of recreating some of the elements from the story that was in the movie that it works. And it ties the story together just a little bit better because, you know, Jack Sparrow is now there and he's involved with the whole thing where, you know, that makes the story a little a little tighter. But it doesn't really change the flow of the ride. And I think that's really cool, you know, that they were able to just kind of insert this in there and it, and it works. Um, because, again, good storytelling. It works, you know, even though you're, you're changing the kind of the story a little bit. Right, exactly. And, and that's definitely something that I think, you know, I know... I know we hear about it all the time, it, it, like you alluded to earlier, any any change to <laughs> pirates or or some of those kind of those uh, sacred or hallowed rides and and putting in Jack Sparrow and putting in Barbosa and putting in uh, Davy Jones, you know, really, you know, drew the ire of people for a while of thinking, well, now you're, you know, turning this into IP or whatever. But um right. You know, I think it's it still is very seamlessly done, and and the movies do a great job of delivering on that. Even though sometimes it seems like they're all four hours long, and <laughs> don't have enough and time to watch. And they a lot, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but they are they are out on the ocean. They're not they're not going in spaceships to places very quickly. I guess <laughs> like right. Star yes, Wars. You could look at it that way, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, you know, folding that all in and and um, seeing those characters. Characters, even even seeing the like the Jack Sparrow animatronics in in Florida um, folded in seamlessly in and just kind of part of that story still where you can kind of follow him as a through line where he's hiding from people and he eventually breaks into the vault. And it's another aspect of that narrative that you, you get to experience as you ride through it. Exactly. And that's 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 one of those things that just makes it so so compelling. It's like they can do that and they can change it and it works. And it just, it kind of all flows together and it, you know, it tells a, tells a slightly different story than you remember, but it's still a good story. The storytelling aspect of it is so well done that you can make those tweaks and it still works. Yeah, definitely. So um, <clears throat> what are some of your other, like, I guess a few of your other highlights stories that you see when you walk around the parks these days? So uh, I love the, you know, I love the feeling, especially the Magic Kingdom is always, always special in its own way. Um, I love the feeling of, you know, you can go to these different lands and you feel like you're in some, you're, you're kind of taken away. You're out of every day. You're not living in, you know, in your world anymore. You're sort of in this bubble. So you walk down Main Street and it, and it feels sort of like an old time, you know, uh, street or town. It, it gives you enough to, to complete the picture from the, from the windows to the, to the, uh, the buildings themselves, to the hitching posts for horses. I mean, just those kinds of things, you kind of go, that's really cool. And then the, the trolley going up and down Main Street kind of completes the picture there. Um, so it's kind of fun to just be able to walk along and just kind of take it in. It's not, it's changed a lot because they, you know, they got rid of half of Center Street there and they expanded the Emporium down on one side. 
So it's it's a, it lost a little bit of charm, but it's still pretty cool um, the way they've done this. And you can kind of take your time and just kind of meander around a little bit. And even if you walk through the shops and stores, it kind of gives you that feeling like you're somewhere else. And then the same thing applies, you know, you, you walk over, if you take a minute and you just, you just look, take it in and look around. I was over in um, Liberty Square a couple of weeks ago, um, a couple of months ago, I guess now. Um, but I was walking along and I, I just was reminded, I looked down, um, standing over by Memento Mori over near where the Haunted Mansion is. And I looked down and you see the road. Uh, they paved the, uh, they paved the sidewalk there. Most of it is pink, but there's this one brown stream that goes sort of stream that goes along through the middle of the sidewalk it's it's not uneven in any way it's just colored that way to make it look like what it's supposed to be this would be where the sewers used to be in colonial america and they used mm -hmm. to just run them through the streets and they took the time to do that and they put hoof prints in and they did some other things that just make it give it that sort of sense of i'm there it's a time and place kind of thing it feels more like i'm i'm in, i'm in the right place i'm not just standing in Disney World and going to ride a bunch of, uh, of attractions and rides. This, there's more happening here. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, I take the time to notice. I stop and I look and I go, this is just cool because I spent the time and the effort to actually do this and make me feel like I'm there rather than just running around. And I don't mean to denigrate any other park, but like a Six Flags where I'm just running from place to place and just going to, you know, going to rides, which is just a different experience. That's, that's not a theme park. That's an amusement park. And there's the distinction. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think about that quite a bit because um, that's kind of where I come from as having discovered Disney as an adult and as a kid grew up maybe seeing ads for Disney World or Universal Studios and never really feeling this need to bug my parents, I guess, uh, enough to, <laughs> to get them to, you know, to try to convince them to go or anything like that. But uh, we went to plenty of regional amusement parks and you know, that that image is always in my head of this is a slab of concrete and there's a, you know, a, a roller coaster or a um, a train that goes in a, you know, pattern on the ground or something like that. And there's right. it's it's like, yep, you you wait behind this gate and then they take the ticket or you show your wristband and you get on this and you ride around and and the fun of riding around is there. But. Uh, you're still just looking around and you're still seeing the cars in the parking lot or you're seeing, you know, the other people yeah. waiting for the ride. And, and you're just like, well, this is this is a ride, but it's not an experience. I love being you know taken away. You know, the fact that you have to take the monorail from the parking lot to get to the Magic Kingdom makes it special because I can't see the parking lot anymore. There's no way I can see it. And uh, I can't see really anything else. There's a few places where you can maybe see a few, you know, houses in the distance kind of thing because things have been encroached a lot more. But overall, you don't see anything else. You just see the, the parks. And it's fascinating that they that Walt really thought about that. You know, he had the blessing of size, as he said, says in his video and uh, has that ability to take you away from it. I know Disneyland is a little different, but uh, for Disney World, that really works. That did strike me very much when. I was able to go to Disneyland a couple years ago and specifically we rode uh, California Screamin' or like the Fun Wheel, um, some of those really high rides kind of on the southern edge of the property. And especially when you're on like the Fun Wheel, you're not moving very quickly. You just, you're sitting in your bucket of the Ferris wheel and you kind of look down and you go, oh, there's that Walgreens we're going to stop by later. <laughs> you know? and it's it's, yep. <laughs> it's not something, you know, again, as, as someone that, you know, put in, you know, four or five Walt Disney World trips and kind of developed this love of what was going on from Walt Disney World. 
meant to go out to Disneyland. And you go, well, I don't know if I necessarily like that I can see the Walgreens or I can see the convention center that I'm staying at. <laughs> or, right. you know, so there is that that there are there are pros and cons, of course. And Disneyland's a whole other a whole other story. But oh yeah, um, no question. But yeah, that that ability to kind of block out the world and go into that ride and and I think that's you know Liberty Square I think I definitely relate to that um I love that area especially like you said up by Memento Mori you've got mm-hmm. like the riverboat landing and and the mansion is looming in the distance behind that gate and you've got the um Columbia Harbor House the the Passover kind of a above you especially if you're in the Liberty Square side and you know you can get to Fantasyland but again you know, it seems like something so simple and so small, but you can't see Fantasyland, you know, and as no. soon as you're under that pass, that's, I mean, that's it, right? That, that, that passageway with uh, Peter Pan and Small World and, and down to the carousel, like you're, it's immediate. As soon as you can see that visually, you know, you're in Fantasyland, but that exactly. having that, having that crossover kind of keeps you hidden way and you can you know and then as you turn around you see um you know the front of columbia harbor house and those uh the stockades and and the liberty bell and all of that stuff like that's a that's a really great place to just stand and take in like 360 degrees of setting the liberty tree and the 13 flags from the original colonies and you know all of these things that kind of get overlooked to a large degree but they're really fascinating and if you stand there and really pay attention it's like oh this is really cool you're you're taking a little trip in history and you're there to a large degree um you know when you go to philadelphia or whatever you know you you have that same sense in a way where it feels kind of like you're there um and you're you're living history for a few minutes yeah and as opposed to i guess uh, I thought it was interesting that Main Street was your other example because personally, I always have trouble with Main Street because okay. um, I think it's because I'm very, very much a I, I kind of joke when I read things about uh, resort days or my friends, you know, plan a trip and they're like, oh, and this this day's a resort day, and I always go, yeah, but why aren't why aren't you going to the parks? <laughs> <laughs> so for oh. me, like. As much as I love Main Street, I don't get the place of Main Street because to me, it's always like, okay, I'm here, but this is really just one big runway to get me to the castle. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, that's that's the thing about resort days. You know, I under, I get that completely because there are some very interesting things that are tucked away in the resorts and the resorts are themed well themselves. And there's always something happening, some hubbub, something going on that makes them kind of interesting in a way. Um, so it's, it, I get it. It's it's kind of a weird thing, but I understand why why you don't like it. And I totally get that too. It's kind of a weird thing. It's, you see it and you go, I, I know why people like going there. Cause it's kind of themed and it's kind of fun. But if you're into the rides, go to the rides, man, that's what you got to do. Um, <laughs> because that's what it all comes down to that. And I think that brings around my other point. It's that whole thing about, <clears throat> you can take it as you want to take it. It's kind of your um, place to be and you can kind of do the things that you want to do. Right. So you can kind of take it at your own pace. There's no right or wrong way to do it. If you want to have a resort day, you want to have just, you know, hit every attraction and try and do them all. Great. You know, whatever works or somewhere in between. Um, Absolutely. uh, Sometimes it's just fun to sit there and people watch. You know, that that could be a half a day for me just because it's fun to watch people. But that's just me. You know, everybody's got their own thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, this subject actually came up fairly recently um, because 
I've discussed a number of trips and um, I've gone with uh, different groups. Uh, my wife and I go pretty frequently and I recently had the opportunity to kind of chauffeur my mom around um, for okay. the first time. And, and it was a situation where then the conversation kind of became, did my dad want to go or not want to go? And um, <clears throat> there was a little bit of uh, discussion about whether that was, you know, whether he would agree or whether he didn't want to go. And, and I, I kind of came down to the the conversation of like, this is not, you know, to, to expand it further farther out um, as much as I love Disney and as much as I'm sure you do and and we all do that we're listening to this podcast or <laughs> talking about right. it all the time um, you know there are still people who uh, you know there's still the barrier right so you've got to travel a long way you kind of have to put up with the crowds you kind of have to put up with all of the uh, all of the other stuff and that barrier to entry for people like us, um, or like, you know, for your example, you have to, you know, drive a couple hours to get there. And, um, you know, all of that is kind of that barrier to entry, that cost of admission. And then it's, it, is the payoff worth it for, yeah. you know, for that, for that experience, whether it is, like you said, you know, is it, is it the payoff of going to see a cool resort and, you know, just kind of hanging out and getting that, um, that brand experience, in your hotel stay and in your meals, just staying at the resort, going shopping, stuff like that. Or is it the, you know, getting the experience of waking up at six in the morning and jumping on the first bus and going to the park and riding everything you can and eating all the snacks and then, you know, getting back on a bus and passing out <laughs> doing it all exactly. again tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's everybody yep. setting their own their own levels, you know, and, and what they want to accomplish and what they want to do and, and what appeals to them. And uh, you know, that's another great, wonderful thing about it that we can all we can all get this individual enjoyment from it, even though we're all kind of going to the same place or in some cases, people who are enjoying staying far, far away like my dad does. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it's a yeah. nice peace and quiet for a couple of days. Well, we were out of his hair. <laughs> sure. No, that that's fair, too. You know, and it's funny. I've had this conversation with several friends of mine over the years. It's kind of a you know, you could go to you could go see a Broadway show, and a Broadway show might cost you several hundred dollars to go for a couple of hours of entertainment. And you might really enjoy it. You probably will because you picked that show to go to. You know, or you could go to Disney, and it costs you you know somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred dollars for a couple of days. You know, plus hotels and whatever. But so it's more. But on the whole, are you getting as much entertainment as you as you would get out of a um, the Broadway show? Or a sporting event, for that matter, that, you know, the prices keep going up on those as well. You could spend for a nice ticket, you could spend a couple hundred dollars on it for a ticket to a sporting event. And in a sporting event, there's no guarantee that the team you're rooting for is going to win. And certainly there's no guarantee that the game is even going to be interesting. So, you know, you kind of, if you balance it all, you know, the theme parks, Disney in particular, seem to make a lot of sense in terms of how you spend your, your dollars, if you're into that sort of thing. And clearly most people who listen to this would be. But and that's um it's one of those things you think about where you go how does your dollar work out for you right exactly and and everybody's got to make that choice so and and that is that is the beautiful thing is especially when you find something like this and and um obviously you found it at an early age and i i took my sweet time finding it but then uh found it eventually and you know and and now woe betide those who have to put up with me trying to put two, three, four trips a year into finding out into my vacation schedule. But um, yeah, so it's, it's such a, it's such a great 
uh, thing to find and, and a great experience. And, and uh, I feel like the good outweighs the bad, even when it comes to things like the community, you know, um, obviously starting a Disney podcast uh, is it's not like this is um, uh, ground that hasn't been covered. I'm not tra- blazing any trails here, but uh, there's plenty no, of hours, fun days of discussions already out there. You're, you're showing your passion in a way, right? It's what you like about it. And what you find is, you know, having done this for my 10 years now, is you find a, you find sort of your niche, the thing that you're, you're fascinated by and what, what makes you tick. And you do that. And that's what makes it interesting. And that's what makes pe- has people tuning in because you find that thing that you're passionate about and you talk about it. And you'll find others who feel similarly. Um, and that's, that's what's really cool about this. There are a lot of Disney podcasts out there. I, I host the site DisneyPodcast.net. Um, you know, I just, what I do in there is I list out all the podcasts. Anybody's welcome to, to join the site. Um, I just list them all in there and it's very simple for me. Um, but what I'm trying to do is build that community. And as I see people come in, you know, people ask me, Hey, can you add my podcast? Of course, no problem. It's easy. Um, but as they, as we do that, I see that there's more and more things out there. And I look at some of the topics and I'll try to listen to some of the shows. There's a lot of shows out there now and it's hard to listen to all of them, but I try to pick and choose some shows here and there that I listen to just to see what people are doing. And everybody's got sort of a different bent on things. Sometimes it's more news oriented. Sometimes it's more history. Sometimes it's more my personal experiences. Sometimes it's about drinking or eating. Um, so it's really kind of interesting when people find their passion and find the thing that they really like. Uh, it's really kind of fun to, to hear all of that. Yeah, definitely. So um, that is a good point. And I guess we can go ahead and move to uh, the plugs and all of the other great stuff that you're doing <laughs> online. And um, Disney Podcast. Yeah, that is for sure a big one. I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. That's perfect timing. So um, go ahead and, uh, you know, plug your, I know you got a great YouTube channel. Yep. I have a, so I've got a couple of things going on. What I do is um, I have the, my main podcast, which you can find over at disneyworldpodcast.net. I just got lucky enough to get that domain one day and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll use it. Um, and so I use that for my main podcast page. So I have that. I have disneypodcast.net that's got um, a listing of everybody's podcasts out there. And that's just, that's just for fun, right? It's just so everybody can be a part of the community because I feel like I'm part of something. And I think most people feel like that, that I've talked to. Um, And then I've also got um, a YouTube channel that's lost and found in Walt Disney World. And what I'm trying to do there is capture this sense of what is it like to, uh, what's the history like of of Disney? Where are some of these things come from? How did we get to here? You know, I want to go back in time and talk about some of the things that happened. You're like, the stories behind the scenes of uh, how Walt Disney purchased the land and how that land became uh, usable to them in, in the sense of having the Disney World project going on, even after Walt's death, how he planned for the Epcot Center and how he had some things very specifically mapped out, some of which came to be, some didn't, but some you can still see the, uh, the sort of the, 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 uh, the pattern for it. it was, it's laid out so well that you can kind of see it there even though it doesn't exist. So there's some really interesting things that I try to talk about. And they're, you know, just, it's little video series to talk about some of the, some of those things that go on. Um, and those are my main things. So, you know, those are a lot of fun once in a while. I, I have a, also a YouTube channel where I just have Disney videos, um, just different things that I see that I just post out there when I, when I see them, it's kind of fun. You know, something interesting that I happen to happen upon. What I find is, and this goes back to our, our talk before, there's something's going on around every corner. You turn a corner and something's happening. I mean, Epcot and the Jamnators come out and they're just, you know, they're beating on the, on the garbage cans. I'm in uh, the animal kingdom and suddenly there's a bunch of dancers who come out and they start dancing. Those things just make the richness of the whole thing better, more interesting. So anytime I can catch a video of that, I try to post it just because it's, it's fun. It just kind of builds that experience a little bit. That's awesome. 
I, I definitely love that. And I actually uh, used that um, a recent video that you did about the uh, John Lennon at the Polynesian signing the ah. paperwork that broke up the Beatles. I uh, went, made sure that we uh, kind of pointed that out. We actually on our last trip had dinner at Ohana and we had a perfect view down into that room. Yeah. So we could kind of like point it out nice. while we were, you know, just kind of looking out over the, uh, over the pool there. So that was, that's a really that's neat cool. thing too. It's and of course, you, um, you these things. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I was going to say, and of course, Dave's Disney view podcast, uh, one of my favorites for sure. Um, and then I do also, uh, I enjoyed your contributions to the tale of the tape books. Uh, those were very interesting and another uh, kind of a unique way to look at things and kind of compare them and and uh, have more discussion about Walt Disney World. Yeah, those those were kind of fun when uh, when Dan came to me and asked me if I would do that. I, I was I kind of shook my head and goes, "What is he talking about? He's a boxing guru wants to talk to me about Disney? What?" <laughs> and then once I understood the concept, I was like, "Oh, I'm in. I am so in." Um, you know, I, I have so much stuff floating around in my head. He'd, he'd ask me the, these obscure questions. Hey, do you know anything about blah, blah, blah? And I go, yeah, I do. Well, can you rate it? Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, you know, it was just kind of fun because he really, he really taxed me to think hard on some of these things. And then, you know, his questions were deeper. Why? You know, what is it about it? You know, give me something that, that you can rate it. Now rate it. Now give it an actual rating. It's like, oh, okay. That's kind of cool. That's, you know, it's a different way of thinking about the parks and kind of comparing things and, having some fun with it because nobody does that. Not, not that I've seen anyway. Definitely. Yeah. And that was, that was another very interesting, uh, uh, book to add actually two books to add to my, uh, growing bookshelf of, uh, Disney books as I slowly push more and more room into our library of all of these, uh, all of these books and really only a couple of unofficial guides at this point, but you know, plenty of other books <laughs> as they kind of stack up and continue going. And there's so many things out there and there's so much content available now. The internet has been an amazing thing in terms of being able to track down information. Sometimes if you have the nugget, you have the kernel, you can track down something and it's really fascinating um, because exactly. there's just so much information out there. Yep. Um, you know, I, I remember, uh, I remember talking to, um, to the guy who wrote the, uh, the, the Disney story, um, uh, Sam Genoway. And he was, you know, he was talking about how Disney acquired the land and so forth. And he was telling me that one of the things he did was he started doing his research and he started going to the library and he started going here and he started going there and he picked up all this information. And then he started seeing actual documents. And I'm like, isn't that stuff online? He goes, no. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, a lot of this stuff hasn't made its way online yet. Um, you know, some of these documents that were signed and some of the agreements like with the state and so forth and how they, how they accomplished some of the things they accomplished. And I'm just, I'm amazed at how that kind of works, that there's still stuff out there that we don't know about really, or we don't have a lot of access to at this point. So it just kind of blew me away when I, when he told me that, I was like, wait, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I'm sure that stuff's gonna, um, kind of keep coming out. I know like Disney docs and, and the retro WDW guys are, are doing a, a definitely a concerted effort to kind of conserve some of that and, and bring it to the yep. fore. So it's, it's going to be fun as we watch more of that come through and, and yeah. people uncover these things. Absolutely fascinating. You're right. And as that happens more, I think it's going to be even more interesting. We'll get more more story and more richness to it. We'll learn a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, look forward to hearing this uh, this podcast grow as you, as you start to build it, um, you know, and, and uh, getting that out there. So thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the debut episode of Why I Love Disney. 
You can find us on Twitter at Disney underscore WHY. And you can find us at anchor.fm slash Disney underscore WHY. On the anchor.fm page, you'll also find an option to send us voice messages. So if you have specific thoughts about our episode, about Pirates of the Caribbean, and about storytelling in general in the Disney parks, we'd love to hear them. If you send them in and we really enjoy them, we may use them on a future episode. Thank you.